If you are not careful and you let yourself be captured by the news and all the noise, it can confuse you into believing that there is more wrong in our society than right with it. That there are more selfish people than selfless people. Every day there are more people that you know, that you meet, that you pass by, who focus their efforts and energy into helping others, in service to others, to making their country, their community better. They are the teachers, the doctors, the nurses, the veterans, the police officers, and so many others. This is the Strength From Service Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Strength From Service. Uh, I'm Jake Palmer. As always, you're a quiet guy in the corner, which is an unusual role for me. Joined, as always, with uh, Jack Zimmerman, Mike McLaughlin, and a very, very special guest with us today. Who's going to take the honors of the introduction? That's mine. Yeah, I'll I'll give her a shot. So, uh, pardon my my stumbling over reading. It's not a strength of the Marine Corps. So, uh, our guest today is... uh, uh, Gary Guggenberger uh, was born in 1947 in Cold Spring, Minnesota, enlisted in the U.S. Army on February 6, 1968. Uh, after completing basic training at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, he, and advanced infantry training at Fort Polk, Louisiana, he deployed to Southeast Asia uh, with the 352nd Transportation Company of the 6th Transportation Battalion at Long Bin, South Vietnam. A vehicle convoy, Sergeant Guggenberger, Guggenberger was in, was ambushed, and he was captured and taken prisoner of war on January 14, 1969. And after spending 1,491 days in captivity, he was released during Operation Homecoming on February 12, 1973. Uh, got a citation from his Bronze Star uh, with a V for valor uh, that reads, Staff Sergeant Gary G or J, Gary J Guggenberger, see what I said about Marines and reading, uh, <laughs> distinguished himself with heroic actions against enemy force of the United States of America while serving as a prisoner of war in Cambodia from 30th May 1972 to 20 June 1972. Staff Sergeant Guggenberger conducted himself in a highly commendable manner during a confrontation between senior ranking officer of the prison camp or of the prison camp Lieutenant Colonel Shrump, did I say that right? Lieutenant Colonel Shrump, and the prison camp officials and the cadre. The senior-ranking American officer had been ordered to make bamboo states for a perimeter, our perimeter security at the prison camp since they would serve as a deterrent for prisoners in any attempt to escape. Refusing to obey this order, the colonel was threatened with punishment for many days, and although suffering from malaria, he was refused medical aid. Realizing that their punishment would not change the colonel's mind, the prison camp officials then refused to give him food or water. At hearing this, although weak and suffering from severe malnutrition, Staff Sergeant Guggenberger endangered his well-being by giving the colonel his full support by refusing to eat or drink until the camp cadre gave the colonel shrimp food and water he needed. The condition continued for several days until the final decision was made and Colonel Shrump was returned to his cell and given food and water and normal camp life was restored. During this period, Staff Sergeant Guggenberger's courage, aggressiveness, and leadership by example were the highest traditions of the United States military service and reflected great credit upon himself and the United States of America. And with that, welcome, and it is an honor to have you here, Gary. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome, honor. man. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, well, let's let's start uh, kind of at the beginning. So uh, originally born and raised in Minnesota, is that what? Uh, Correct. Okay. Yep. 
So what was the uh, what was your uh, inspiration for uh, joining? Did you get drafted? Did you uh, did you volunteer? Or, how did that How did that come about? It's a good story. Uh, I was going to go in the Air Force. I wanted to go into uh, flight rescue or in fire because uh, I figured, well, when you get out, you got something to back up. Mm-hmm. And we were out. Of course, you know, Cold Springs, Cold Spring beers. So we were out one night, and a friend of mine was flunking out of St. Cloud State, and he's, he said, what the hell, let's just go in. Get it over with, two years, and the hell with it. Did you think you were going to be drafted anyways? Oh, I knew I was going to go. Yeah, at some point you were going to yeah. be drafted. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I got one deferment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we went in and went on the buddy system down to Campbell. And... Uh, Ironic, I went down to uh, Polk. He went to Fort Knox. He was an armored personnel. And I was down in that transportation knowing if you went to Polk, Tigerland, you're, you know, you're going over. Well, yeah. uh, on, on leave, but coming back, I, in Minneapolis, I mean in Chicago, I walk on a plane and there's Rich <laughs> sitting there. And he was going to Germany. Sure. I was going to Vietnam. Oh, wow. wow. He went to Germany and played baseball for 18 months. Really? And and he was an armored personnel carrier. And that's the guy sure. that convinced you to join the Army yeah. instead of the Air Force, yeah. huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Sounds like a fair, yeah. you know, fair oh, trade man. between you uh, and yeah. yeah. And uh, he can still feel the grounder today. Like, yeah. he went away. <laughs> yeah. He's got this trick knee, though. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I ended up going over there. That's what I was going to ask you is how you got around back then, you know, was it, you know, were you taking a bus or were you taking a plane, you know, between, you know, home and Fort Campbell and... Uh, yeah, we left, uh, we took a bus from St. Cloud yeah. and down to the cities, out and then down to Campbell. Yep, on a plane or bus? On a plane. Yep. yep. And then uh, it was a bus down to Polk. Yep. Uh, and then it was... Uh, course of playing getting back for the 30 days yep yep so so being born well being born in 47 you're prime baby boomer age and father in the military during world war ii at all or uh no he didn't have to cold spring if you've heard of the cold spring granite company yep at the time of the war they converted that into a, a factory that did tours and did some weldings for ships sure okay so then those guys didn't have to go. Critical were, to the war effort. Yeah, sure. Would, so, yeah, Dad uh, did that. Sure. But my brother was in the Air Force, my oldest brother. He went in. Okay. And uh, my other two brothers were weekend warriors. Yeah. Had your brother uh, that was in the Air Force, had he gone to Vietnam nope. before you or anything? No. No, no. he was, uh, he even missed Korea. Right after. So, but and then when you joined, you joined knowing that you were going into the infantry or wanting to go into the infantry, or no, no I, I I thought I really lucked up that I got transportation oh, down transportation. at Fort Polk. Got it. Okay. You know, you going down to Tigerland. Yep. You yep. just no, but I ended up in transportation. So, you know, going over, I didn't really think about about it a lot. You know, when I got into the country, it was kind of like. Oh, it's just backwards. Sure. Yeah. Uh, for a few months, I, I just hauled stuff off the merchant ships in Saigon to Long Bin. Mm-hmm. You know, Long Bin was the largest 
uh, Army Depot in South Vietnam, at one point there was 65,000 guys there. Sure. Wow. And there was 10,000 in, in prison there. Wow, jeez. Uh, I mean, it was huge. Yeah. That's just a lot of people to that's feed That's like the size day. of St. Cloud yeah. today yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, it was constant uh, hauling. And then I went, uh, the 352nd moved out to the ammo dump. And when I got there, that's pretty much what our job was, is to haul ordnance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds like most, a fun thing to haul for the jungle. Most of the time. Uh, yeah. that's and that was the terrain where you were at? Was a jungleist terrain? Like it, a, yeah. Um, you know, we would go Tainan, which is about 100 miles north of uh, uh, Saigon. There's an area, it's called a Parrot's Beak, and Tainan sits right by that. And that's as far as we'd go. And it was a hot yeah. place to go. Our CO said you only had to do it once a month mm-hmm. because normally you got shelled, sniped, or you got incoming at the fire support base. Sure. So that's, you know, we're just truck drivers. So well, they just... Uh, truck drivers full of explosives. Just yeah. essentially yeah. driving around no ordinance. Big deal. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. For the civilians out there, ordinance is code, code yeah. word for things that go boom. Yeah. yeah. But, and we're pretty much support for the 25th. Sure. They if were it, in Coochie. Sure. That true, was yeah. their, their uh, home base. And there was some uh, air cav guys around every now and then. Uh, once in a while, we'd go down to uh, Phong Tau, and, and we'd, uh, it was neat. We'd get picked up by the Aussies. Yeah. They'd run the convoys, and they were really nice guys. Australian Army? Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and most nights, you you had somewhere nice places. I mean, not a nice place, but you had somewhere to call uh, a bunk or... Uh, and you could get a decent, you could get a meal every day on post somewhere? Yeah, I mean, our mess hall was a very good mess hall, but yeah. you had to be there. Yeah, right. And uh, maybe you catch a breakfast, but otherwise it was sea rations, you know, yeah. cans, yeah. At, twice a day for sure. Yeah. You know? yeah. So uh, our convoys, like the one the day uh, I was captured, was 52 vehicles. And how far would you guys travel, you think? That was a uh, hundred mile. A hundred miles. Wrong and trip. That take you, no, one way. One way. And that would take you how long? That would take us all day. Sure, it'd take you one you day. You know, to you got to think, and you got fifty-two trucks. Yeah. And you're driving in a dust. Yeah. Bowl, and you follow what we call the dust trail, as you do. Yeah. In the country, you get that dust trail, and then all of a sudden it's gone, and you gun up to it again, and then you stay there. Well. <clears throat> That's what happened uh, the day when I got caught. I was, you know, was following the dust trail, and uh, I came to an opening and I looked and I saw two trucks off to my right and I said, "Oh my God, an ambush!" Yeah, you know. And I looked to my left and I saw three guys with RPGs. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> and uh, that's the last thing I remember. What were you hauling? Remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. That day I had tomatoes. We got hit on the way up, and I, I you know, and I got, I got nailed on the way back. But of all times, the, the week before, I had rockets. Thank what? God, right? You know, I mean. <laughs> I'd rather get rocketed in a truck with tomatoes. Oh, than yeah. Rockets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, 
Yeah, when that happened, uh, I I was going to upshift right away, and I uh, brought my knee up, and I, I took a round in my knee. Yeah. And then the next thing, I was on the floor of the truck, and I thought, what, you know, crawled out, M16. Did, did, you, did you hear? I didn't. I was... Eardrums are gone? Yeah. Probably uh, after... Uh, Talking to some psychiatrists and stuff, they said I was probably knocked out. Right. I had a concussion, and I was for 10 seconds or whatever, because I was on the floor, and I thought, what the hell? And How did I get down here? Yeah. And I, then I jumped out of my, I got out of my truck, and I was going to go for some elephant grass. And... Uh, M16 jammed, <laughs> dropped, that, yeah. dropped the, the magazine out, put another one in, set it, worked, and I was going, and a guy got up on, on the other side of the road from me, and I pivoted, and I shot him. And when I pivoted, I could see another one coming on the back side of my truck. So I was pivoting to get him, and then he got me through the wrist, the shoulder, and my chest. Sure. And, so you've uh, been shot four times now. Yeah. All on the same side? All your right side? Uh, yeah. And it was just because I was pivoting. Yep. And if I would have been squared... It would have been, killed you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, laying on the road, uh, you know, I, I just looked and it was in the, the burning, as you know, the burning pain of that iron. Yeah. Holy mackerel. And the guys in front of you in the convoy, they just kept going. They had no idea you got they, hit? They, they, knew, they didn't know I got hit. Right, because of dust and everything. Yep. And then the guys behind you, did they come piling into you then because they couldn't see? Not yet. Um, I laid on the road, and I kind of was looking up, and the, the guy stood over me, and he put his AK out in my forehead. And I just said, Dave, here I come, because I lost a friend. Uh, he was a Marine. And I lost, Dave died in 65. And uh, I just figured, shit, I was coming. Mm -hmm. And he reached in his pocket and he gave me a piece of paper and said, I'm going to take you as a prisoner of war. That's what the paper said? Yep. No shit. So they're out, you know, I just came to the conclusion, they're out on a hunting trip. Sure. Well, because was it, and maybe I'm remembering wrong, it was, wasn't uncommon for them to get additional bonuses, you know, monetary or some sort of perk for capturing an American, uh, uh, too. So that seems pretty convenient. They just had that in there, too. But I yeah. you think about that they get paid, you know, pretty much their life earning and a bonus if they show up with an American uh, captive. So then uh, he motioned for me to get up and took me across the road and we start going back into the jungle. Did you just think at any point you should have just killed me as you're walking into the jungle? No, I, you know, because in our, my time, they said you got about five hours to get out of there. Yeah. If you can't get away in five hours, you're screwed. You're, yeah. you're, you're going to be executed. Right, and, well, and that's what you've been hearing of, of past prisoners of war? I mean, I mean, there have been, you, you, yeah. so you're hearing about the guys that had been captured, this is what was happening? Mm -hmm. No, I mean, that was just uh, what the Army was teaching for or Polk. Okay. Yeah. But what about, like, when you were, I mean, there had been prisoners of war before you, right, that were captured, you know? Oh, yeah. And had you heard how those guys had been being treated yet, or have you heard anything about POWs when you were no, there? Nothing. They would never mention anything? 
No, I was never taught, you know, never heard about it. When you got in country, you had to go sign a waiver sure. to with your, what to do with your pay. Yeah. And then what to do if you come a POW. Yeah. You know, we just, everyone just laughed. I thought, what the hell? That you was know? it. That, yeah. yeah. Right. That was it. Yeah. So, um, you know, not until uh, later on in my, about a year that I knew there was some other people around. I was held alone. Oh, wow. Separate. For a year. Solitaire. Pretty much, yeah. When you were, when they were hauling you into the jungle, could you move much with your leg being shot and stuff? Yeah. And you could breathe all right being shot in the chest? And that, that hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And we got in and this was, it was funny. We were going through some elephant grass, a big, big opening of grass. And I could hear the helicopters coming. Shit. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta. And I start stalling. I start crying. I start laying on the ground, going, no, 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 putting my hand up like this. And saying, come on. It's yeah. either you or I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. You're going to take me. Was it just him and you out there? Yeah, just him and I, the guy that got me. So he was getting pissed at me because I'd get, a, right. he'd get me a get up and I'd go again and then I'd start it all over again. Because then I could start hearing firing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, you know, they weren't that far away. There was still a ways. I didn't see them yet. Right. But, uh, you know, I, I stalled as much as I could. Then we really got into that thicker part of the jungle. And he threw me down a little hole that he opened up. And he, and he jumped down in with me. But they, ba- they bandaged me up, though. Oh. Once he got me across the road. Uh, they took a, a big gauze and they put it on the shoulder. This was really bleeding. And you were hurting too bad to try to make a move on him, right? Exactly. Yeah, you're there. You couldn't just. I'm gonna yep. bull rush him, or I'm gonna try right. something, or yeah, you were wounded too yep. bad to try anything. So, so, so too when they got you, the hole was then there more uh, Viet Cong or NVA there, or was he just bandaging you up one to one? Yeah, he was just putting me in the hole until the heat uh, went away. Okay. And then when that happened, it was dark. Sure. And they got me out, and then they marched, and we'd stop. Were you, pre- were you getting pretty tired now, right? You've been oh, losing yeah. blood for a long yeah. time. Yeah. No sleep. Yeah. And they got me to a place, and they put a hammock up, a mosquito net, and they had a, a doctor came and looked at, put new dressing on the wounds. Yeah. And uh, You didn't feel like they were, at any point now, intentionally trying to kill you, right? No, not not then, but it was just still, why? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. When's it going to happen? That's that's what was going through my head. And were you confused when a doctor's looking at you? If you're thinking, you're oh, just yeah. going to shoot me in the head here in well, a couple yeah. hours anyways, why is this guy looking at me? Exactly. That, and that's what was strange about it. Still had a lot of fear of being shot or executed, and, but yet they're doing this was it incredibly uh ch- challenging to listen to not know what they were talking about or have any idea or were you trying to pick up what they were trying to say or were you just trying to take care of yourself just, at this point right yeah and it was just you know you're just hurting weak yeah and that night i spent and i think that next day i, I just laid in the hammock and they tried to get me to eat and i i couldn't eat anything god that the rice and Finally, they gave me some sugar, sure, something like that to Give you some know, get some nourishment oh, yeah, in me. Yeah. 
but they did take me, you know, when they walked me, they didn't push me hard. They didn't, you know, do anything like that. They'd take a break. Uh, like I say, they had a game. There was a game plan out there for it. Sure. Um, and I think they were very surprised by the size of what they got. Sure. Were you trying to figure out, like, which way, like, looking at the sun and doing things? Were they trying to figure out which way they were taking you and trying to have an idea where you are going? Or There was a, a, a Nui Ba Din. It was Black Virgin Mountain. And that was by Tainan, and I could see it. So that was your that was your uh, that was my only your reference. waypoint or reference point. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that I knew we were headed that way. Well, going fast forward, uh, when we got released, uh, this Colonel John and Danny, they and, and we all we in our debriefing, we kind of told them where we were, camps. See, we, we, I was I was not held in a prison. I was chained to a tree for four years. Wow. Or into a, 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 what we call the monkey cage. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's what, you know. Uh, so. How long did you, I mean, how long do you think you walked for? And how much ground do you think you covered in that, in that time, you know, from the, the time that you were The initial, hit to, I don't think it was. I mean, it, it was a, probably a week or so. I'm not, oh. I'm, you know, I'm not. Right, yeah, you can't keep, yeah, right. I, I wasn't keeping track. Danny asked me that, and he said, what do you mean you don't know how many days he walked? I said, Jesus Christ, Danny. Yeah. I was so sore Bleeding and weak and that. Malnourished, I'm not, Yeah, I'm not thinking yeah, of yeah. that. Yeah, there's really no pattern. I mean, that was a lot of the time, too, when I, when I first got to Afghanistan. I remember the first couple of weeks, you know, you were still climatizing. You were doing these things, but. All of a sudden, you know, you get out in the field and you start running patrols. You know, you run one in the morning and then you do some stuff during the day and then you're running one in the middle of the night and then maybe you're coming in at 2 in the morning and going right back out at 6 and you're like, uh, which patrol was that and how many patrols did we run and what day was that even on? And everything kind of starts meshing Mesh, together, yeah. you know. And uh, I didn't keep track of anything until I was more stable. I, you know, my wound was fine. Then I'd start marking on the wall in the hole. Each day, and but you know, in that four years of captivity, I made it through two B fifty two hits, attack air hit, artillery, and you couldn't go nowhere. I mean, you just had to sit there and take it. Chained, yeah. Did you ever get hit with anything? I mean, shrapnel wise, did you ever get banged up in any? Uh, No, because you're always underground. Oh yeah, yeah. And then the first, the first place I got to where I was going to be held. It wasn't long after I was there, and a B-52 came through. Hmm. And I I was screaming. My wounds were just gushing blood again, and the guard came, and he said, keep your cool, keep your cool. And he said, Ga was my name. And he said, Ga, look at it like this. You live for another day. <laughs> you know, wow. you're below ground. Right. No, yeah. You, you live for another day. Did you become friends? Not friends, but uh, did you, Did I mean, I don't even know the right word to even use well, Did you create relationships with, with any of the people that were taking, I mean, not taking care of you, because that's a terrible word, too. Uh, the, the guards. People, the guards. Did, did I mean, uh, did, was it the same most of the time? Did you know, did you have the same guard for four years? Did you have? No, they rotated. Yeah. Um. In 72, 
uh, 11 guys came in and they were they were different they really took care of themselves they wore their clothes were always clean they come in just a, a cotton pants a cotton shirt sometimes they'd be in their greens and uh they just, yeah, they were different guys. Did they treat you better or worse? No, well, some spoke English. Oh, I was just going to ask, what was the uh, what was the communication like? You know, when they uh, came up to you and they're like, "God, think about another oh, day." How was oh, that English or broken the, or? You you didn't speak English to. You would have to do uh, you you ask for food. You asked to go and relieve yourself, and you asked to go lay down. That's. Oh, you know, that's what your communication was. Okay. And you please and thank you. So when when the kind of the, the, the whole timeline of things, you get captured in, initially by the individual, uh, you know, there was obviously paired up because you got the other guy. Uh, you got captured uh, after a couple of days that got you to a doctor. When you were, were kind of triaged by that doctor, was it just your captor and the doctor, or was there a larger element no, then, too? Then, then I was in, yeah. Okay. And, and what, more people came around, and I was a showpiece. Sure. They, and, a lot of guys came to take a look at me. Sure. Did, did. So that would have been kind of like their equivalent mm -hmm. of like one of your guys' outposts where they have, you know, a, a surgeon or a medical provider or something. Right. Kind of, but yeah. above ground, not underground at that no, point. No, about everything is underground Underground for us. Yeah. Now, they would, they lived in a hammock, you know, hammock right by a hole. Yeah. They had their kitchen area. You know, you could hear them. Uh, once in a while, but uh, that's pretty much because once in a while you'd march through what would be a kitchen. Mm -hmm. They'd have a bunch of bamboo tables under a thatch roof, mm -hmm. so you know you knew that's what was going on for them. Well, I guess I got one more last question about the convoy part. Uh, was your truck the only one that got hit then, at that point in time? Uh, no, there was two others that were disabled. And then. Were you the only one to survive this, or were you the only one that they took? I'm the only one that they took. One guy was killed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was captured. And the other guys in that truck, they saw me shoot these guys, but they didn't... Get out and engage? No, they didn't engage. And they just watched you get yeah. hauled off? Yeah. Some friends. They, they, were, mm -hmm. they were definitely in easy range to get that guy that was coming. They didn't try or? No. Do you ever know who it was to this day? No. Wow. And, you know, and I, I have anger, yeah, but then I thought, you know what? They were probably so goddamn scared. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, fighter, you know. You know, you, you know, you, you know, when you were on your patrols, yeah. both you guys, you know who you could count on. Oh, no, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And you... You had your suspects. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Well, there's people that run out the door and people that need to get pushed out the door, and you kind of try and pair a lot of them up to have a, a strong leader, and sometimes if you get some of the ones that need to be pushed out the door that are paired up, you know, they're waiting for somebody to say go. They're stuck in the yeah. door together, yeah. And yeah. I, I imagine, and that's, that's a pretty, you know, I would say uh, humanitarian way to look at, you know, their, their 
you know, being scared, it's not like they were like, well, well, there he goes. I, I imagine yeah. they were probably scared shitless at that point. But I, I would I, I would guess because, I mean, when I realized it was a convoy, I said, oh, Jesus, well, you know, and first thing you're told, get going, stay off the road if you get hit. Yeah. And my truck was just going off to the side. And I did see the write up from the 25th Infantry Division. Yeah. And uh, that was a good one. They took out 125. Oh, wow. Guys. And I think they lost, uh, we lost seven. Oh, wow. Really took it to them. And, and that, uh, yeah, that turned into a little skirmish. Sure. And that was them coming through to look for you? or for uh, Yeah, the, that's when the choppers in it, and I heard. And uh, they disabled some more. Sure. And it was a total rocket attack. That was the other thing it said yeah. in that. And I just got this uh, information not too many years ago uh, that... Of the write-up from the 25th. Sure. And and that explained a lot of things to me. And the other thing that I wondered for all the time that I was uh, in prison, what the hell did I do wrong? What happened? It taunted me. I couldn't figure out what, what happened. And due to the Internet, I got a, a call from a guy in Georgia. And Carl was in it. We were friends, yep. and Carl said he went up to retrieve my truck, and he said the underneath was just peppered. So the rocket came, and they hit the dirt. Yep. They missed the truck, but hit the mm. dirt, and that... Still knocked you out. And... That's what knocked me out. Yep. Yeah. And that's what happened. And I, I thought, my God, you know, this many years, it's finally I got an answer. So closure, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the 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 placement of that rocket versus just the direct hit of how you know how bad it could have been you wouldn't be here telling the story today if it would have been where they were aiming right, at yeah you know too yeah. as well so what, what did uh, the day in the life of a pow look like for us you know again there's 27 of us that came out of south vietnam yep all the rest came out of north vietnam yep um and that's where like that's where, like, John McCain and Bud yeah. Day and all those guys I, I, were up, I always you know, call them all pilots. the jet jockeys. Yeah. 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 The yeah. pilots. Yeah. And and some crew chiefs off. Um, Rotary uh, wing, helicopter. Rotary's guys that went in looking for them. Yeah. You know, a few of those guys got it. Um, but ours, they never, I personally, and I don't know anyone that was tortured. You get a gun butt. Sure. I mean, but. You're a prisoner. You know, yeah. You're going to get some of that. You're, you know, you, know, you got to figure where you're at. I mean, at. we had prisoners too. I, you know. So, you know, <laughs> you, you, you move. Yeah. And uh, it, it was our, and I never looked at, I was tortured, but after talking with some psychiatrist and other people, he said, yeah, we were psychologically. Oh, absolutely, sure. yeah. And uh, you mean you more or less mean physically tortured. You guys weren't getting the whippings, and you guys weren't getting the right. None of this, like you heard up north. None, yeah. none, 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 none of fingernails that. because off. we could never survive. Right, we were getting bombed out. We had to move. Yeah, God, we you know we went on move all the way into Cambodia, up in the highlands, up in the rubber trees. Don't you feel like you were a lot of work to keep, like, you know what I mean? If you look at it from their side of it all, you know, you're hauling around 27 liabilities, 
you know, there's 27 mouths you, I mean, you kind of have to feed that, a little, that, enough to keep them going, you yeah. know, to keep them alive, to be, be a keep prisoner. Them, keep them alive, but keep them weak. Yeah, right. Sure. You know, I mean, they had, I mean, that, they had to get you some water and they had to do something to kind of clean it because they can't get you sick because right. you'll they, die, you know, I mean, and they're constantly getting bombed out and having to move all the time. Uh, why would they keep you? Propaganda? Well, one, one, there was two theories on it. One was uh, we were a bargaining chip. For what, though? What did they want? The Paris Peace Accord? Uh, No, no. If if the U.S. would have had them pinned in. Oh, sure. uh, You know, if they would have had them pinned down and they came in with some heavy troop and had them surrounded... Then we would have been bartered. Sure. At least they could have. At least they could have walked out of there instead of being bombed out of there. Maybe. Yeah. Right. You know, if they said, "Hey, we got yeah. Americans in here." Yeah. Yeah. That and sense. that's one theory. And the other one, I've got a document, and the People's Liberation Army was a puppet of Hanoi. Mm-hmm. Well, Hanoi said, you know what? Maybe you guys should keep some prisoners down there to make you look legit. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Sure. Like, fi- like an actual force. Uh, yes, that they uh, were a legit revolutionary army. Not just a guerrilla. It was, it was, yeah. you, you guys were kind of like street cred. You know, yeah. we, can go, we, can go out, we can go out there and get some, some prisoners too, you know? Like we're... Uh, so wow. I, I'm kind of kind of interested in that that timeline from how you get through just going to ask the same thing that, yeah, that's that a good full question. you know four years you know we kind of have that that understanding you know we jumped around a, a little bit through your your experience but through you know the surgeon through like the the other camp which is I'm still guessing in southern Vietnam uh, South Vietnam yeah. when uh, you meet there and, and kind of you know I know you don't have a an aspect of yeah I was there for 17 days but. I imagine you could still at least recognize seasons changing. So yes. when when do you think you moved from that first bigger built-up camp to your next one where you said you were for a year, I think it was? Well, no, I was alone for a year. Okay. Um, the first one with the B-52, it was maybe a month, two months. Then they put me in uh, a monkey cage. Okay. And basically, what it is is a like a jail. It's made out of six-inch logs, and they're doweled, and it's a hole in the ground, probably uh, five feet high, uh, five feet long. And, and you're six four. Yeah. Oh, so I didn't make it to fit. No, oh no, no. So then they put you down there, all, and that's where they lock you down there. You came out and ate. You came out and dumped your P two. Yep. Or your poop tube, if you had to, and uh, you'd sit out a little bit, and then you'd go back down in. They kept us. And what'd you do when you're in the hole? Just try to sleep. You'd sleep, um, and then you know, once my body started breaking down, I really was in a lot of pain. Yeah, and your uh, wounds probably weren't getting the attention they needed. Did you get infected yeah. or anything? Yes, this one, the, the, my shoulder got infected, and they came and they scraped penicillin on it, and. Uh, you know, they, they they took care of it. And within a year, were you feeling pretty, feeling oh, yeah. pretty healed up? And by the time yeah. your year was up, whatever. Um, yeah, a year. I remember one time I was, I started feeling good. I couldn't lift the arm, 
So I start kind of just hitting a tree like this with my hand. I go like this and I go like that and hitting a tree and the guard told me stop. And I just told my kid, you know, well, all of the, the uh, interpreter came and said I shouldn't do that. The guards didn't like it. So they put two chains on me. <sighs> they put one on each leg. <laughs> I laughed. I thought, you goddamn idiots. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So even in the even in the the pit they had you chained or is this out no uh, out and above no you're in the pit you're chained really the chain never came off and uh, this is radio I understand yeah. but <laughs> for you guys that's part of the chain I was no look at no that way. wow I was held with wow <laughs> can I can I touch you can I hold it I mean wow. That's amazing. Surreal. So that, this is tied to you for almost four years? Yep. Same chain? Uh, not the same. This is the first one, you think? This, well, how we got this, when, at the, when we were being released, they told us to throw all our stuff in the middle of the, we were all sitting in a circle. Mm -hmm. And the guard came around and, you know, throw yours in, throw yours in. Well, he got over here, Danny put his leg out and snatched it. <laughs> and... Danny gave me a chunk. Oh, cool whose chain that? it was, but these sure. they were all yeah, like these this. were the chains. These yeah. were the chains. Thank God. Hmm. Yeah. So so wow. they they got you there for a year in isolation. Do you know what what you know initiated them to move you with a group a after that point? Was there any discussion on that, or was it just you're easier to take care of you guys? Yeah, I don't know. My wounds were better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, they released the guy. They let a guy go out. No kidding. And were they looking for volunteers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm good. You guys go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually just got my room set up. I'm gonna stay for a while. My wife's gonna be pissed. I'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, was, what was that release like when they let that one guy? Did they just say go, or yeah, did they that's, did they just turn them off? That's what they did. I yeah. guess. Open the screen door. His, and gave him his a kick. story was different when he got out. Okay. But. That's pretty much what happened because I could see, I could see the, those guys. Mm -hmm. They were just grass in between and brush. And uh, I used to just kind of hum away. I'd say three, five, two, you know, and I'd just sing a song and just make some noise and let them know. And I'd say my name and, uh, you know, the guard would get after you a little bit and then I'd shut up for a bit and I'd just do it again. But they took this guy away, and uh, and that's when I got to live with those particular guys. They said they just told him, "Get your stuff," boom, and they released him. But and and so the guys that you were all isolated for that first year, they let that guy go. Was it shortly after that they moved that's, you all together? Then, then yeah, that's when I got to go in. Okay, when, and, and did they haul you away on a truck, or was it another force march again? Or? It was another walk. Okay. And when they told you to get your stuff, what kind of stuff did you have? A chain. We had a canteen. Okay. We had an a enamel plate, uh, a fork or a spoon, and our uh, hammock and mosquito net. Okay. And that's what, and they had a little bag, you know, we'd throw it in and that, we'd have to carry that when we'd march. 
They probably only cared about the mosquito net just because of malaria and right. that too. Yeah. You know, they didn't give a shit about you getting bit up by bugs. It was more uh, yeah, they disease free. Keep, keep that uh, malaria away. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty much, uh, you know, and they didn't, you know, right away they they gave me one. Sure. And once you got, and once you got, you know, kind of. I don't want to say in the flow of things because you're a prisoner, but like once you know that the, the day started going by, you know, how often would they feed you? Once a day? It's a little usually bit? Usually three. A, a cup of rice. Yeah. Uh, every morning. If if things are right, sometimes we'd get a tablespoon of peanuts. Oh, wow. And they'd say, due to the uh, imperialist Americans bombing, uh, we have no food for you. Hmm. And they'd always use that. It was because of. The imperialist, imperialist. and you you should have been like well give me a phone I'll call him and tell him yeah. to quit bombing you then. <laughs> yeah. let me give uh, him a call quick but uh, you know out of that first you know the B-52 came through the second one uh, artillery and, and the second one I was in that cage and I asked the, the interpreter if I could have a chicken little chickens were running around all the time and nope, nope. And finally, they, they let me have. I, well, I asked the commander if I could have. And so they let me have this little chick, and I'd feed it and keep it around. I liked it. He's about the right? Yeah. And I, I, I took it down in my hole. The nice thing with having him and how to really die between he and God. I mean, I'd be talking to him and. But he would be squeaking if there was something coming in that hole. Mm-hmm. If there was uh, a snake coming, ooh. any critter coming, that was my that was your alarm. That was my sentinel. Oh, I suppose centipedes, snakes. You, the you whole. bet. That was the other thing we had to put up with. You never knew what was going to come in your hole. Because they see a hole too, just the critters, and they're just and going. During the rainy season, they're all looking for shelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chicken was nice for that. How'd you keep the water out of the hole? Um, bucket? Bail it out? No. You, they, the, the way they built them, big thatch roof. Oh, sure. Over them. Sure. We're in a canopy, so they're yeah, not seeing. Yeah, not a ton of, yeah. Um, so wow. Not a whole lot of sunlight then either on a regular no, basis. No, there's not a s- lot of sunlight. Sure. Um, but yeah, then uh, I remember the night, artillery started coming in, and... You just hear, and the, and the boom. Well, you're okay then. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, it went click. And then I knew they were they were dialed in on us. Mm-hmm. And I told the chicken, this is it. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're not going to make it out of this one. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be talking. That was my support. Uh, Did you name it? No. No, just chicken. But you know what? I, I thought of later on. I did the same thing to that chicken that was being done to me. I I took a vine and I tied it around his little leg so he couldn't get away. (laughs) It was just a, it was a cycle. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I thought, holy mackerel. Yeah, but at least he didn't call his uh, fellow countrymen imperialists, though. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Did did you get to bring the chicken with you when you got to your combined group? I think we probably ate it. I was going to ask that. that. Eventually it became dinner. Did did the chicken eat the stuff that got into the hole? uh, It it definitely got a lot of ants. Okay. Yep. That must have been nice. Yeah. 
that that was nice when uh, when ants would come through. That uh, he'd be busy, yeah. uh, but I didn't have him real long because again we got hit. Yeah. And uh, so then after you would get hit, would you? Is that when they would move again? Yes. Okay. Makes but sense. after you know after this years, we found out a lot of times when we just went in circles. Sure. There was other camps. I think they kept us right where all their brass were, in satellites. Sure. And that's why when I was here, hell, those guys were right over here. Sure. I just couldn't see it, and I didn't know right. it. And I've... they just had one guard on me. Yep. As they had a guard on those guys, but there was four or five there. Well, I imagine, too, for their communication purposes, too, to be within, you know, running distance and reach of each other, too, right. was probably set up almost like a wagon wheel kind of. Correct. You know, yep. kind of. And when you had a boogie, so yep. not, you didn't have to send anyone out. They, everyone knew. Yep. Would, any, would, would you hear anything else uh, about the other soldiers that were captured? Would they ever tell you anything about any other soldiers no. or threaten you with them? Or? No. No. They never. Uh, even the guys that came in in 72 that spoke English they were more curious on how we lived sure back home yes yeah yeah they were real curious how our standard of living you know when you tell them how big a house how many people lived in it sure how did you heat it you know they just didn't have a clue. Television, yeah. the whole side of it, radio. Yeah. Well, we, we didn't even comprehend probably what you were explaining to them. We didn't keep our guests in a hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they were they they were all educated probably in Hanoi. Sure. Being they all spoke English, and that that's what when we found that out, we thought, holy mackerel. Did you feel like you could manipulate them a little bit more and give yourself a chance with them speaking English? Like maybe I can talk them into. Well, they were, they were definitely, there were some nights. I've got in my magic pocket here, yeah. there's four names of guards. They gave me, they slipped me their names. Huh. Really? Wow. And uh, wrote to them, and two never came back, two came undeliverable. Huh. But, yeah, at the release, they came and they looked around and they slipped. Slipped these. Little pieces of paper. Look at that with their names. Jeez. Did you? I'm curious if when the when the other guards that came in that spoke English did that did that provide a level of comfort or was it just the opposite where it was almost more psychological? Now, no, it was more comfort. Okay, and the the one thing probably when they came in, that's when I start seeing these guys are no different than me. Mm-hmm. They were drafted. They don't want to be there. And I could put a face to them, not as a... It, it didn't, no doubt, if they had to shoot, they'd do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if they were told, they're so going to do it. They had their job course. to do. Yes, yep. exactly. But it also made it a human side of it. Sure. And that's what I got from that. And... So, is, so is, that that was about seventy-two then too. So you were yeah. in about three years. So mm-hmm. you kind of had familiarity with what the you know the the ebb and flow of what a guard is. You know what more of a probably abusive, what more of a social, more of an interactive guard is. I suppose at that point too. 
And we had one guy we called Shaggy Bear. And uh, why'd you call him Shaggy Bear? He just his hair was, you know, their hair is so wiry, but they were just it hanged down and he kind of loofed around when he walked. Sure. And sounds like most American teenagers. Uh, yeah. Well, one time they gave us some peppers with our rice. That's all we had. Huh. A cup of rice and some peppers. I ate them and uh, I made the damn mistake. I went up and hit my eye. Oh, oh, God. He was laughing. I was <laughs> over there. And I took a canteen and soaked my eye and soaked my eye. And he was giggling. And then finally he said, stop. He came over. He slung his AK over his opposite shoulder, stuck his head into my eye, and rubbed his hair in my eye. Really? To get rid of the... The pepper oil. juice, air oil, yep. yeah. And it worked. It it helped a lot. Wow. Yeah, that was that was all what we call Shaggy Bear. Yeah. And he again, he was he he get through a gun butt. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I have another one of those questions, I'm not sure how to phrase, but did you have a, a best time? I mean, I don't want to call it a best time, but like most as your memorable. Time, most memorable time as a as a POW. I mean, uh, is there one point that sticks out that, you know, you know, even though we were prisoners of war, uh, considering the circumstances, everything else, uh, you know, we had a pretty dang good day this day or, you know, or I mean, or is it all pretty much every day felt like uh, Groundhog Day of just about the same thing? And, and How, yeah, the bright spots were such a, a blip that it wasn't even memorable. I mean, barely memorable, you know, or I got pretty down. Uh, I was sick, but I psychologically I wanted to go, mm-hmm. uh, and they came. You know, I was just half the night. I would wake up. I'd be my my left leg, the, the nerves in it, the just ache, and uh, I was up a lot. And the guards would, you know told the interpreter, interpreter come and look at me and they'd go and the commander come and looked at me and they'd go and one night they came and said come out and I went out the interpreter jumped on and got all my stuff and they put me on a bicycle and a guy had a, a bamboo pole tied to the handlebars and he had me sit on the bicycle because I couldn't walk and he pushed me through the jungle to what they call the hospital and had me looked at and I was there for a few days. They started feeding me some. Again, I wasn't eating hardly anything. Uh, and this has been a while. That's why I couldn't walk anymore. Uh, it had sugar on it, condensed milk, sweetened it up, trying to get me to eat. And and they start pumping some vitamin B12 shots in me. Mm-hmm. And they took me back and fed the hell. The hell, they gave me... A, not one cup of rice. They gave me rice if I could eat it. If I was eating it, they, they, they gave it to me. Got, they got me back. But when I was there, they gave me a letter from my family. Mm-hmm. And it was 12 sentences. And everything was written that I knew it had to come from them. Sure. It wasn't something that they made up. And... Consequently, when I got released, my brother said, yeah, they, they, the Red Cross, they could send 
letters like that. Yeah. When that when I got that that took I told that commander you're not going to kill me. He said maybe the Americans will but you're not going to. And that's when the will to live kicked in and I got my shit together and I start eating and start trying to get what health I could. Sure. Do you do you uh, by chance do you remember that letter? Did you memorize it? No. Okay. No. I just wondered if it was one of those things that just really... Do you remember which family member it was from? It was from my parents. Okay. Yeah. Mom and dad. Yep. Yep. And it was about my brother and, you know, had sentences about everybody. Did did anything uh, bad back home happen while you were a POW? Yeah. Um, My dad died in April of uh, 72. Mm. He was 61. So, yeah. yeah, and they told me that in the Philippines when I got released. Yeah. When we were there, we were, in a, we were at that uh, Clark for about a week, I guess. And they pulled you in, and you can, you know, chaplain's sitting there, and the shrink is there, and the, the commander's there, and you knew if you were going to that, there was, it was bad news. Right. right. And then they told you you could call home, and, uh, I didn't know. I didn't want to. I can understand that. And uh, I, I couldn't talk to mom, so I called my brother. Yeah. And I told Dave, I, I just can't talk to mom. Yeah. And, uh, and he told me about dad. And so, yeah, that was a blow because that played a lot in my survival. I, I was kind of a shithead. Yeah. You too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that. Had a lot of that, what I was going to do with my dad when I get out of this damn place. Right. And when that happened, you yeah. know, dad taught me to hunt, right. fish, do those things. And uh, that was my plans. We were going to, you know, get a lot of this done. Yeah, that's all you had to think about for four years. You build more houses. Yeah. You, you take care of all the stupid shit you did. Yeah. And you play every damn sport professionally there is you build another house yeah uh i mean i sat in a guard tower for four hours by myself and i, and I, could, <laughs> I could get some stuff done but i can't uh, imagine four years in a hole you know i mean or even especially a, a year all by yourself you know but uh that was kind of you kind of touched on the, the, the next thing i was going to ask you was was that during that, I mean, after the first year of being in a hole by yourself, you know, you're thinking, you know, and you're starting to feel better because your wounds are starting to heal. Uh, year two goes by, and you're thinking, all right, when's this war going to wrap up? Year three, I mean, at some point, are you thinking, maybe I'm never, ever going to leave here? Or No, I didn't think that way. I was always, every six months. Okay. I always said, it. We're going home in six months. Well, finally, the enlisted guys told me to just sh- shut the hell up. Yeah. Because I get them worked up. Mm-hmm. And then they got let down. I didn't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. I looked at it, we're going to get out of here in six months. Something to aim at. Yeah. It, because I, I hit that dark point when I wanted to die, and I wasn't going to go there. How, how far in was that, that dark point where they ended up having to haul you in and give you all the B-12 shots? That and- wasn't, you know... Too far, six six weeks, maybe you know, few months. From the initial enough, year. yeah, yeah. In that initial year, definitely because you know, I was, like I said, I didn't eat. 
just yeah. drank water. And I, you know, I got, like I said, I, you know, one, one night I had malaria and stuff so bad. I, I crapped in a six-inch bamboo tube 23 times. Yeah. Mm. And you have nothing to clean yep. ex- except, right. yeah, I mean. So you, you, you kept that mentality then for, you know, three, over three and a half years then after that initial, yeah. you know, coming to terms with it and, and self, self-reflection and changing your own mentality on it. I mean, mm-hmm. just the sheer will of holding on to that and keeping a, keeping a goal or a target every six months. Um, you know, do, do you think that helped you uh, adapt uh, and endure better than some of those guys that you said, you know, were telling you to shut the hell up every six months? Or did everyone just kind of have their own, you know, way to look at it? They, they had their ways. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the guys that told one was a black guy, he had a lot of anger. Another one is a Puerto Rican. He had a lot of anger because they're in that war and it wasn't their war. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so they they were always mad. And uh, let's see. Well, the other guys were uh, another Puerto Rican and another black guy. All enlisted, too. All enlisted. All, yep. Uh, yep, all enlisted guys. Uh, we lost the one black guy. He, he lost his lost his mind. And he he said, I'm going to go and eat potatoes, have mashed potatoes with my family. He asked a guy to go take a dump, and he went back there, took a dump, and got up and just started walking. And they yelled at him three times not to do it, and they shot him. Shot him. Yeah. Uh, you know. hit, uh, hit his limit. But, yeah, he yep, he was done. I mean, when I first saw him on, holy Jesus, this guy's... Tough shape. Yep, he was in tough shape. Mm-hmm. And the other one, he was already in tough shape before he even got captured. Sure. He's he's one of what we call McNamara's boys. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the waiver. Yeah. Yep. If you had that finger, yeah. you were in. Yep. Yeah, it didn't, didn't they, matter your mentality. Yeah. They they did a lot of expanded recruiting and oh, expanded, expanded IQ Jesus, and was physical, yeah, I think they get you in. Yeah. You know, some of these guys. So wow. with, with that structure, you know, you're in there uh, in that time frame, obviously, it sounds like you were around more enlisted guys. Uh, how, how For did, a lot. And when I got to live with the officers, that was great. That, sure. That's when, you know, uh, John and Ray and I, we'd talk about escapes. Sure. And uh, we knew someone would die because we we're going to have to overpower a guard. Mm-hmm. And... I knew who I was living with. I knew who was going to be doing it mm-hmm. because these other guys were not, they were not stable mm-hmm. uh, enough. And uh, I, that's what I liked. And they, and they would, Ray spoke Cambodian. Oh, really? Because he was special force. Huh. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. He spoke Cambodian. And so did you guys think you were in Cambodia at that oh, time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, knew, knew you were in We Cambodia. knew. Yeah. yeah, Ray said, we're in Cambodia now. Okay. And then we, we'd come back out. We were in and out of that Parrot's Peak. I talk, if yep. you ever look at that in Vietnam, we're in and out of that. Our camps were mostly up in that, tin in here. Parrot's Peak was there, and then it was there into uh, Cambodia. Okay. Uh, Cambodians live on stilts, and they crap below them where the pigs are. Mm. That's Vietnamese live on the ground. And grass or 
Yeah, that's sure. the big difference with them. Uh, so you you definitely knew and, when you crossed. And so you know, we still go through it today. You do a code of conduct if you're ever uh, captured. Obviously, yeah. rank still plays uh, as a POW. Uh, you know, the rank structure officer or senior enlisted goes. You know, how I mean, was that something you guys? had to discuss or go over or was as soon as you found out ranks of who it's okay uh you just fell into order colonels running the you know uh, calling the shots you know. there was no there was no talk of it there was no need for it mm-hmm. just understood there was never a need okay we came to the colonel's aid the colonel stepped up we lost a captain the colonel stepped up and wanted to see the commander to get bob some treatment Mm -hmm. but otherwise there was no you know chain of command no anything like that as the north Mm -hmm. i mean i just read uh alexander halliburton's book uh and he was a well thought of prisoner up north and and he brought up the code of conduct and that was very interesting Mm -hmm. he said it's pretty much not worth it (laughs) when you're a prisoner he says, because you're going to break, it's just when. Mm-hmm. So he said, so how much do you take when you know you're going to break? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very interesting coming out of a pilot. Mm-hmm. But when certain guys got there, oh, you damn right, they had a, they had that peck order, boy. I mean, the first thing, when someone came down, they had to find out if he was in charge or where he sat in the peck order. Mm-hmm. You know, Stockdale was a top dog, mm-hmm. and it all flowed down by how you got shot down and all this. That was how the releases were done. Sure, was that, are you talking Colonel Stockdale or Lieutenant Colonel Stockdale? I think it was. Uh, well, he turned out, what the, what's the highest? Uh, yeah, but why he was in captivity. Oh, in captivity, yeah, yeah. I think Colonel. Yeah, yeah. Yep. and that's up north in Hanoi Hill. Yeah, and I just started reading uh, Alvarez's book. Okay, yeah. Now, there's a class act. Yeah. Alvarez. Yep. In the hospital in the Philippines, there would be signs, POW meeting. We were in scrubs. We walk, go over to it, we get there. This is not for you. Hmm. And it was only for officers. Really? And uh, Alvarez was the only person that came and looked us grunts up and said, how are you guys doing? He said, if you need anything, you just let me know. Really? Wow. And I've got a picture of him. And uh, he's the only one. Sure. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he's a class. He's got a class act on him. Sure. Now, Stockdale, I don't think, I personally don't think I had a, an issue with him. Sure. And uh, I was in Fort Collins, Colorado. I, I worked out there. I'll have to bring that into my... Um, but he gave a talk. And I was with a friend of mine who was a Marine. And he'd be talking about some stuff, and I'd whisper to Larry. You know, I said, Jesus, I could, that, we could never have done that. We wouldn't survive. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know what? These guys are on flight status. How the hell can you be on flight status if they broke your shoulder blades and your arms and your legs? How can you be on flight status? And he 
he looked at me again. He says, you son of a bitch. Now you got me thinking. So it was all over with. And I, he was on a book tour. Sure. And I walked up to him and I introduced myself, Staff Sergeant. I was held in the South. And he looked at me and he said, where, Long Bend Jail? And turned around and walked away. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, well, that's personalities, you know, sometimes ego gets the best of people. Know, and I, I, I told this story to another naval aviator, and he said, I apologize for his, for that. He said, that was totally uncalled for. Sure. You know, they they think he walks on water in the Navy. Yep. And, and that's fine. That's my experience with him. That's yep. the way it is. Yeah. Well, with the, no. the the colonel that was in your your camp, was he uh, infantry? How was he captured? Was he uh, he he there? was he was helping the uh, the Arvins. He was on a on a sweep. Sure. With them, uh, John, the same. He was on a sweep, and they got so they were pushed. For people that don't know, Arvin, the Army Republic of Vietnam. No, that was. Uh, 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 yeah, that was the South Vietnamese, South Vietnamese Army. Army. Yep. Yeah. And so they would commonly have officers, enlisted uh, uh, advisors with them out on their mm-hmm. missions and patrols, too. You know, training them, teaching them, yep. yeah. and they'd go on. And so both of them got picked yeah. up on those those missions, too. Yep. Uh, Ray got nailed. Uh, he even thinks the only reason he's alive in his camp... He always got things from his wife to give to a, a little Vietnamese kid. Mm-hmm. Well, that Vietnamese kid was a setup. Mm-hmm. He was just a little kid. Mm-hmm. When I got captured, that first night I stopped, there was a little kid there. Hmm. And I described that to Ray, and Ray said, that's that kid. Huh. And he said, he's probably the reason why I'm alive. Yeah. Because he said he's not a bad guy. Yeah, well, because he, he but, might be a major, right? But yeah, not right. a bad guy. kid was used as a spy, but Ray was giving yeah. him those gifts, and so yeah. he had at least a soft place in his heart for him. And so, because I mean, that's that's pretty. It got to be a pretty rare, uh, you know, POW to be on a ground pounder and be, uh, you know, major or captain, or you know, to be captured like that. Too. A lot, well, a lot of guys. So what the hell are they doing out there at that rank? Yeah, well, if they're special forces too, the one. Yeah, uh, they're yeah. I mean, and Ray. You know, Ray went through Korea, got his butt shot up over there. Really? And uh, he was over and... Made it through Korea, went to Vietnam. Went back to Vietnam, got nailed a couple times. Not serious, but, you know... He's still alive today or no? No. Yeah, we lost him, yeah, a few years back. Do you you stay in contact with any of the guys that you were with? Danny and John. Uh, The government was taking us down to Pensacola to the Naval Air Station for physical, tracking our, how we are aging, our side effects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I quit going. I, it's just a hassle getting out of Bemidji on an airplane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Uh, just get out it, of Bemidji in general is a hassle sometimes. Yeah, right, yeah. It's, uh, so I quit going, but I, you know, I, we get cards and phone calls. Danny's in tough shape. Yeah. Uh, he... Uh, he just, yeah, he's diabetic. He just has, he doesn't take care of himself. He just has this doesn't give a shit attitude. Sure. And I, uh, hey. Danny. 
age-wise, where do you you scale out with the guys that you were with? You know, as far um, as youngest, oldest. I'm probably Ray was older than John, than me, uh, and then uh, probably Danny Felix, sure, uh, Bobby, those guys. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's about where we sat. What was it like then being released? How did you know you were being freed? We would listen to the radio, the propaganda radio, and by that you could tell. And some of the guards, these guys would, they go, TT, they go like that. So then we knew uh, things got better, food got good. They're fattening, yep. 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 Came and took some measurements. And, uh, you know, start, you know, gave us a haircut. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's a little eerie to have them use a straight edge on you. Oh, it'd be oh. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah after, uh-huh. after, 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 uh, uh-huh. I could just imagine the feeling of feeling so nervous. Like you kind of have a feeling you're getting out of there and then they're doing that to you. And you're like, I've been here four years. If they off me now. Well, anytime they didn't, you know, they did it in while in prison. You did. They didn't leave us scruffy. Sure. They would, oh, they man. would either clip it with a, those hand clippers yeah that you're and that's how they give you your hair yeah but otherwise they bring a you know shaggy bear shave me well hygiene wise i suppose they keep the fleas and critters out of you yeah. too so so yeah wow. that that was like oh, oh, things oh, you don't oh. think about you know so um you know i kind of read that the the bronze star uh citation that's obviously a, a summary of you know that incident can you kind of explain the, the build-up to, you know, them pulling that on the, the colonel and, you know, kind of oh, starting right. him up? Well, everything that they did was to bring you down. Mm-hmm. That was the main thing. That's all they were doing with that. They were taking our senior officer, and they were going to make him go down mm-hmm. in front of us. And that's what it was all about. Because when Ray finally... We told, we kept telling him, Ray, do it, go ahead, and he didn't do it. And then he saw us getting sick. He said, "Okay." They had a bamboo stick there. They had the machete there. He went like that, and they took it from him, put him back in it, and brought him some food. Hmm. He just cut the point under the end and put it in the ground, that, and that, that was that. That was it. That was to just, just to break him in front of us. That's and that's what they like to do. Mm-hmm. That was uh, the head games. Just always a head game with them. So, yeah, I mean, that's all. They never, you know, we never had to do it. Mm-hmm. They were all around our, you know, was, you know, where we lived. Yeah. They had those sticks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that, that's all it was. Hmm. It just, you know, stupid game, but... So, that's so what was that dialogue though back and forth with you guys where he was he was kind of holding out and you, well you get, we we kept telling Ray you know go ahead don't worry about it it's you're not you know it's not a big deal and uh, nope he said you know the code you don't do anything that can hinder your escape mm-hmm. so uh, that's where he stuck on it mm-hmm. and you know at that and. So uh, we joined in, yeah. I mean, right away, we said, the hell with this. You're going to have a bunch of dead guys. Sure. So you all stopped refusing yeah. to eat? And- yeah. Even even uh, even Bobby, even uh, Felix, uh, 
uh, we all got the bronze for that. Yeah. Because we all, there's one guy that didn't. But uh, Jeez, there's always that one guy, right? Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't ask me in that one photo. Ah. You know, when I was when I was uh, in captivity, there was a guy that had a partial in stainless steel bridge on it. He cut his chain. He cut this, and he really? got away. He got got away. Got caught. Did it again. Because they didn't know he had didn't the, know that. the partial. Uh, oh. And he got away and got caught, and they turned around and released him. Wow. After two two attempts like that. They put too much of a pain in the ass, probably. Well, probably they don't want They probably said, you leave, so then you left under our terms, not your terms. Yeah. And, and that guy there. Oh, yeah. He uh, came to our <coughs> camp, and... Uh, he told his CO, I'm not going to fight in Cambodia. I'm going back to Vietnam. His CO says, I think, get the hell out, go out the gate, go. I don't care, go. So he loaded his pockets full of pot, and uh, they picked him up. Huh. And he was a jerk. I did not like him at all. And he was the one that abstained from the essentially combined hunger strike? Yes. Yeah. And then he, uh, he and I did not hit it. I told him, I said, "Well, I imagine that have been you pretty, ain't gonna come out of here alive, right?" That'd have been pretty divisive to be I the did. all all you guys supporting each other. Uh, get, he getting was back. A, he was a jerk. Yeah, and, but you want to hear a nice one? Yeah, he got a silver star. Really? For what? Well, I'm guessing he escaped. embellished his story for oh, escape. Escaped. Yeah. yeah, got caught, but he escaped. Huh. When I saw that. I was livid. <laughs> I, I was livid. Yeah, you had plenty of stuff to be mad about. You know, I, I just... Call over the place. I, yeah. I, I could not... But I called Danny up. I said, Danny, you realize this? Oh, yeah. I said, Jesus Christ. I said, that just kills me. Yeah. He just... Danny just let it go, let it go. That's yeah. the army. Yeah, right? Yeah. You know, I thought... That is principled, so you know. Right? Just, no, absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. He, uh, God, yeah. That guy, yeah. He said one time, "I challenge you in the uh, arena of life," and that's when I told him, I said, "You ain't gonna come out of here alive." <laughs> yeah. Says, I so, move on. go ahead. No, if I got my hands on him, I, I just, no. It's just a jerk. So the day that you got released, you know, what, about what time of day do you feel like you got out of there? It was probably midday. We we came. So that morning you woke up, did you know you were getting released that yeah, day? Yeah, yeah. You knew the day had come? Yep, we knew. And that's when we were in a circle and these, yeah. well, everything came out. Um, they drove us to the fire support base. The The base was called Loch Ninn. It was up near Tain Inn. And, uh, How were they treating you on this day? Oh, Dif- fine. Differently, or was everything still pretty much the same? No, I mean, they had their rifles yet, and, you know, it, yeah, everything was pretty much. The guards came and spoke. That's when I got the, these names. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, had our meal, and they were all, you know, happy where you're going. and uh, They were excited for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. The English guys. Surprising. Yeah. But on... Uh, Jumping off that truck right here, that, 
I'm not down yet. This guy's Fred. That's the that's the colonel, right there. I jumped off the truck, and someone was going to hand me my bag. And I felt the tap on my shoulder, and I turn around and here's this Vietnamese. And he said, in English, "Do you remember me?" And I said, "No." He said, "I'm the one that took you off the battlefield." No. Wow. He spoke English. No oh, shit. And I made such an ass out of myself. I thought he knew every word. He knew everything I was saying. And, the whole time. And he put his hand out and he said, now go home and be a better man. Really? And we shook hands. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. That, that changed me as a human. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And the other thing that changed me, when we got on those, those Hueys, and I got up in the air, and I saw my first light bulb. Hmm. I looked, and I start s- swelling up. And then uh, crew chief asked me if I wanted something to drink. And uh, I said, yeah, that'd be nice. And uh, he's a young kid. And he says, I have water and iced tea. I said, iced tea would be nice. And he gave it to me, and I, it was full of ice. Electricity and ice. Electricity yeah, and ice. Yeah, yeah. yeah I hadn't seen that. I, I cried, and I just said to myself, what kind of animal have I become? Did they, did they know who they were picking up? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they were... Uh, other nations were there signing the For release. the prisoner release? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How, uh, did it take a lot of restraint, too, though? I mean, at that point, when you met the guy that took you off the battlefield, uh, did you have any animosity towards him at that none. time? You didn't? None. none. No. Did you thank him for being a terrible shot? <laughs> <laughs> that's some, kind, know, that's some kind of just, cocky stuff I would have done. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that that changed me. Those, those three things. Uh, definitely. I mean... You know, I, I couldn't believe it. And right away, uh, the Americans came and grabbed us and threw a, a tag over our necks and pulled us over to get us on the chopper. And the reason, the first time we went there, the Americans are on one side of the airstrip, we were on the other side. And we sat there, we are off the truck, walking around waiting and waiting, and finally, all of a sudden, the guards told us to get up in the truck again. No. They loaded us up in the truck, and they took us back in the jungle. No shit. Whoa. And when we were loading up, the Americans says, we're not leaving without you. Uh, they were yelling across the tarmac. tarmac. Yeah. And uh, they took us back in, and there was a hiccup in Saigon with Saigon releasing prisoners. So retaliation. It was getting late in the day then, and then they loaded us up and it brought us back out to the tarmac. Drove us right over, right to the site. Right to the site. Sure. Yeah, and that's when that guy did that. Yep. So had had they done that before uh, to you? I mean, obviously not to that extent, but had they messed with you before when you were in the camp saying? Hey, we're going to release you, and then no, this is the no. only okay. Yeah, that was the only the build up to the end. Yep, of seventy three. 
Okay. Yeah, that was the only time. You know, sometimes they said, maybe we should keep you and make you fill in these craters. Sure. You know, slave mm-hmm. labor. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, but due to our humane and lenient policy, I was with everything. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that many, many times. Thank you for being such a humanitarian. I thought for sure you were going to tell me that uh, your team leader was on the tarmac yelling at you for being (laughs) AWOL for the last four years. I've been looking for you. Yeah. You missed your duty. Or maybe Uncle Sam was mad that they've been paying you for four years and haven't gotten any work out of you or something. You know, know, when I first captured in your. taking care of my wounds one day the doctors came a doctor and a medic and about five guys mm-hmm. and they said they're going to take the uh, round out of my knee and so they told me to sit down up on this dirt bed mm-hmm. and I laid down and they, they grabbed my leg grabbed my arms grab my feet and put a stick in my mouth and they start cutting and digging and I was just like Jesus hmm. you know how long had that brown been in your knee at that point no it, it's been a while it, you know a few months so it healed it, over it, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah the cartilage was starting oh yeah and then it wasn't a short time later they came and did the same out of my back they had me lay down, and the, the interpreter says, God, keep your cool. Keep <laughs> your cool. And yeah, I, no problem. And I said to him, I says, shit, now I know what John Wayne felt like. <laughs> and he said, what? I said, you want to understand. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Usually they give him a swig of bourbon or something yeah, first. Yeah. You, know, you got to stick. But, yeah, they just cut those out and dug in there with their tweezers to find out. Oh, God. No. Did you feel better though when it was out? I don't really it remember. Not, it it didn't, just yeah, hurt. Yeah, it just yeah, hurt. Yeah, it didn't. I mean, I was lucky. It didn't do any damage. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have to go through reconstruction surgeries or anything like that after it was you got too, back? too late? Yeah, right. It's been four years. I, yeah. I lost the bicep. Yeah. And uh, they said, yeah, if you would have gotten picked up, that would have been nothing. Mm-hmm. The, the round because it it hit my jacket. You know how they, your jackets in Vietnam they. After it weren't so long, the sides start giving in, the, the stuff starts shifting on you. Yeah. Well, that's what happened. It shifted, and that just caught. Yeah. And this one, I was just, I figured that damn near had been Harvard piercing because it just put a hole right in between two ribs. Huh. They said, did you try to hurt yourself? And I looked, and I said, shit. And the thing's about like, like your pen. Mm-hmm. And uh, holy shit! That's, I mean, they knocked me on my ass. Yeah, I tell you. I mean, uh, like they said, I'm lucky. Uh, the Americans said, "Lucky you're a big guy." Yeah, a small guy would have had a real problem. Yeah, but, I, yeah. I never, I never got shot, but just blowing up. Yeah. You know, and, man, I don't know. So, so you, you got they got released and they they got you on the, the Huey. You saw your first light bulb for four yeah, years. You got your first glass yeah. glass of nice. ice in yeah. four years. Where where were they taking you to when they had you loaded up on the Huey, and where were you flying to at that point? We we flew into Saigon. Okay. So the capital of South Vietnam at yep, the time. Yeah, the capital of South Vietnam. 
there was an Air Force uh, craft there, got off that, the choppers came in, the media, all the people, the Americans that were there. Was, were you anticipating this? Did they give you a heads no, up at all? Nope. It didn't, no, and I thought, holy, I came off that thing, and I smiled, but, I mean, the lights were so bright, and it, we just went right up the ladder, uh, the steps onto the plane. What did you want right at this point? I mean, what was the one number one thing you wanted when you got out of there? I wasn't, I was confused. Not there yet. Not yeah, there. You no. weren't there, you weren't no, ready for it anything didn't, It yet. didn't hit, even on the way. I noticed John, the colonel, or uh, he, he was a uh, captain then, he ended up a colonel, but John was just sitting there, he had his head down. He had this look in his face. John was the next one to die. He, health-wise, and then I was next. Another year and I wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And he, do you think he had a, a sense of re- overwhelming relief at that point, or? I don't know. I often, I never asked John, what was what was going through your mind? We were laughing. We said, we can't believe this. We can't believe this. And, you know, got to the Air Force base. That was lit up. Everyone was there just you know strange you know yeah you waved and smiled but in your head it was different and my wife asked me once and she says what was it like sleeping on that bed and I had to stop and think a while in the first shower what was it like to take a shower that's what I wanted so bad after I got blown up I was just you know and I I remember just standing in there yeah just stood in that thing Uh, but the bed was different Clean sheets. Yeah. No chicken. No chicken. <laughs> and not not laying like this, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, it's just flat, firm bed. Yeah, those thoughts, uh, she, when she threw that at me, and I said, you know, I really never even put that. I was in such a zone, I think. When I was at Fitzsimmons, my family was there. And they came for a week. And I was to, they were going to let me go home. February 28th is my birthday. So we got out on the 12th. So they were going to let, get me home. And I told them, I don't want to go home. I didn't, I didn't want to come back home. I almost want, I'd rather have been back in that jungle. Hmm. I had a real hollow spot in me. Do you think you just became... Comfortable in this? I don't want to say comfortable, but I mean, you... Acclimated? Yeah. yeah. A friend of mine said, you just became institutionalized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. And uh, maybe... Uh, Did the, the rest of the world seem almost overwhelming? Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's what it was. It was like, you had to step out into this. I really, I remember when I first came back from Afghanistan, totally different. You know, I mean, it was not comparing at all in, in that sense, but uh, I remember going to Applebee's for the first time and uh, ordering and she said uh, what do you be having and I felt extremely overwhelmed because I hadn't made it I haven't I hadn't picked out what I was going to eat for the last you know couple of years you know you just stuck your plate out and they put food on there and you're excited right, to eat, you know yeah. and, and uh, but I'm trying to put myself in some context to try to understand what you were going through at that time you know and how uh, overwhelming it must have been just making basic daily decisions because you hadn't made one in yeah. in four years. I mean, anything that you did for the past four years, what you were told to do, I mean, you had, you, 
I mean, any was, free thinking was stripped from you. Right. I mean, you, you had to do it, otherwise you're not eating. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's simple. And after you get caught, I mean, we had a, a captain that came into our camp. I don't think he made it. But we all laughed as listed. He says, man, he's going to learn quick. You know, you're you're a prisoner, for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. And the first thing they tell you, we did not sign the G- Geneva Convention. So for, rules are out the window. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And, and they didn't. Theoretically, they didn't. Yep. So that was due to our humane and lenient policies. I could always say. They're humane and lean <laughs> Since they're such a more humanitarian. Than, yeah. Right? That's, but uh, so coming home then, you, uh, how long do you think it was from the time that you were released until you were back stateside? I came back March. It was after my birthday. I didn't want to come back. And they, every day I was seeing a shrink. I uh, saw the, com- the, the, the commander of the hospital at Fitzsimmons. Yeah. And... Uh, We'd talk, and he said, whenever you're ready, you just tell us. And I finally said, you know, I, I'll go home. I, I didn't want to go home. My dad wasn't there. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, that, that was it. That mm-hmm. was pretty much it. Uh, he wasn't there, and that, that hurt. I mean, that, I, I haven't only gotten over this probably in the last 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Sure. When I used to talk, I'd break down crying. Right. I'd bring up my dad. Yeah. And, uh, it, I mean, uh, that was the most gut-wrenching thing yeah. that you know, happened to me. Uh, uh, angered, yeah, and I took a lot of blame that he died because of me, because the stress I put on him. Sure. And uh, I carried that baggage for a lot of years. Yeah. I figured I'm, I'm the reason. Yeah. So... Where, yeah. Where do they fly you back to in the States? Uh, C-141. Where to, though? Oh, where to? Uh, we came in to uh, California. Okay. Stopped in Hawaii first. Yeah. Fueled. Came in. <laughs> they asked if they could buzz the Golden Gate Bridge, go under it with us. Yeah, I got no problem with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't go over well. <laughs> uh, but... And the, Travis got on a smaller craft, got busted up yeah. uh, to different areas, and then you just shuttled off. Danny and I came to uh, Buckley Air National Guard Base in Aurora, Colorado. Did they, did you, and then once you got there, did, did you, uh, they make you do anything, or could you just go home? No, we, we had to go through a battery of tests. We had to go see the shrink. Okay. We had to go through a week of debriefing. And we were in a room, probably about like this, yeah. with two guys, and half the room was a map of Vietnam. Hmm. Every day, the same questions, and all the marks were gone. Where were you? Where do you think you were? Every day. Hmm. And it was just getting, they would just want to cover it. Just Do you think sh- that's because they were still looking for other POWs? No, still no. There's how accurate are we sure. in our mind? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what they're looking for. Were you kind of like, I don't care. I just want to go. Yeah, does uh, it matter yeah, anymore? We, yeah. yeah, and they showed us fit photos of people. We identified a guy that turned. Oh, and he was from Texas, hmm. and we had seen him. 
He was on a truck with us once, yeah. and he had a little boy with him, and he carried an AK. And uh, he crossed. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So we we got him. Others we didn't. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, Walter. Yeah, because Walter, he's the one that was going to eat mashed potatoes. Yeah. Got yeah. shot. Yeah. 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 And Captain Young, Captain Young died of probably pneumonia. Sure. Uh, so yeah, we lost him, and uh, there was another guy, Jimmy Ray. I saw another guy die. I didn't know if it was him for sure, but the guy was not. Did, so did Bemidji know you were a POW then for a long time? I mean, it was obviously the paper oh, and stuff like much, that. Pretty much, yeah. The whole the whole state knew. Right. So um, what was what was that like then when you finally came back to the state? Well, um, do you remember much of it? Uh, oh yeah. I yeah. Mean, were yeah. you drinking then heavily after being after you got mm-hmm. out? Yeah. 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 Leaning on it pretty hard. That was oh, kind oh, of yeah. comfort. And, yeah. and and who's and at this point, who's going to tell POW it's been? Uh, wrapped up for four years not to have a cocktail you know so and then i got married too early and uh, was married 15 years and it didn't work but uh uh, i didn't drink heavy with my wife yeah but after that divorce and pre she said if this is the work we got to get out of here yeah and i agreed that's why i moved to colorado and that was part of my dream uh, the major said, you know, you don't, don't go back east. He said, you never live back there. She said, not with your personality. He said, those people back east are just snobs. <laughs> and he said, you're too honest. He says, go look at Colorado. And uh, I, here I end up at Fitzsimmons. And so I liked it. People in Colorado, they give us a big welcome and stuff, but... So we moved back there, and then I went to school for a couple of years, and I got on the Colorado Division of Wildlife. Oh, cool. And that was a dream. Yeah. That was one of my dreams. And what right were you, on. Not, not with them, but mm-hmm. with a, a wildlife agency. Yeah, what were you doing for them? I was in fisheries. Cool. And, uh, yeah, I was, I've been in every part of that state. It's a beautiful state. I, I, I've, a lot of times I hee-hawed, should I stayed in or not? Because those guys were all retiring. Oh, and sure. if I would have stayed in, I had an automatic uh, sergeant major. Right. Hmm. No questions asked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just that was it. So I think, ooh. But I had a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. No, I, I have no regrets with it. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it was great. I did some great things, help get some endangered species back, uh, went out on uh, helicopters counting elk and, and bighorn sheep and, you know, just being going up in a wild spawning wild fish. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that had been you therapeutic, know, pretty therapeutic, pretty healing yeah. for you too. So that is mine. You know, yeah. when we talk about heal and stuff, mine is, is nature. Sure. Mm-hmm. I always tell people I'm in church when I'm out in my boat. Yeah. That's church for me. What kind uh, of boat do you have? I just got a small river boat. Oh, okay. I, I thought maybe you had No, one. I don't have a big big gunner. Yeah, I thought no. for sure. I thought maybe that's why they call the church and a steeple on the front or something. No. <laughs> no, God Lord. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's my comfort. And that's why I'm, I do all these 
vet things and I, I talk at them and you know and I do talk about I I did two years of counseling in Colorado yeah yeah I did, I did a lot of therapy too down and when I was at Brook Army and I and I I I don't even know if it's success is the right word to use, but my my but my ability to acclimate back into the community, you know, is was pretty successful, you yeah. know, and and I I do attribute a lot of that to me making a full effort in therapy, you know, and working on my mind and and trying to get that right, and for how much I even did and and went through, uh, I still don't feel like my transition was all that great either, <laughs> you know. Well. You know, I, I push guys to get help. You can do it on your own. Well, 100%. And, and your spouse can help you. Uh, I go to a, a group now in Bemidji. It's, we call it a writer's group. It started that way, kind of, to get guys to tell their stories mm-hmm. so their families know. Um, but it's, it's a, I like it. It, it, it there's only a couple of us combat guys, though. Mm-hmm. But I, I like that. And uh, that's what I tell people. That, you know, if you just get a buddy, get or a group of guys in town. You know, I mentioned to you, you know, I'm very active now in the, in the three service groups. Um, and the young guys are hard to get. Mm-hmm. And I get they're working and they have, you know, all that. They're listening to podcasts. but it's so important to join them one for the one thing that pack knack would have never come through no that's true absolutely and and you know and and it's tough for for some guys ends mate uh up in bemidji we're fortunate we help guys if guys can't afford we take payments uh we pay a hundred toward their life yeah yeah uh we encourage them to, to get in there and so I, I do a lot of that. I do a lot with the DAV. And uh, I, I try to promote at the fishing venues I go to. If you need help, you know. Oh, and I think, th- I think there's some of that value, too, in the, the shared experiences, even though it's different. Like even me and, me and Jack. <laughs> I mean, I left, I left Iraq, you know, four years uh, before Jack was in Afghanistan. Um, and so then when he came home, there was a, a group of us. Two that were Iraq, primarily Iraq at that time, a handful of Afghanistan at the time. And so I I do like your point and Jack's point, too, of the the individual, you know, go see somebody that's a professional, you know, not your wife, not... You shouldn't put not, that on her anyways. I always, yeah. I always, I always, I always tell all, oh. all guys that is don't, don't put with your service on your, on your spouse. Correct. You know? But I, I, and I and teach their own on this, but I, I think there is the danger in just only doing the, the uh, clinical therapy and not looking for peers and camaraderie yeah. to reinforce yeah. that right. too on top of it. Cause that's, well, I almost look at it and not going through recovery uh, myself on the, the addiction side of it, but People go to treatment, right? And it's intensive and it's one-on-one with the specialist. But then what sustains that when they come home? Their support mm-hmm. groups and their AA and their NAs uh, and yep. that community they build. And I think that's something that's inherent in the service organizations that you're talking about, the DAV and VFW. But even in your, your writer's group, um, you know, my, my father has the same group of Vietnam vet combat guys that they've been doing their groups on Thursdays for mm-hmm decades on top of individual therapy and we have our own little uh, group that's not as structured right now because we're in that 
middle age of life with kids and working and right. doing the thing, but we still yeah. reach out to shit. Me and Jack started this podcast together, yeah. you know, and it was just right. basically on a, Hey, called him up out of the blue. Like, Hey, there's, there's some cool other stories out there that it's not only therapeutic for us to be doing this and talking to people and relate and meeting guys like you, uh, Gary, but then also to get that message out there to everybody else that, Hey, you're, you're not doing this alone and you should look for that community. Yeah, I mean, your your group of of uh, uh, fellow POWs must it, it must be a pretty small pool now, right? I mean, there can't yeah. be many of you guys no, left. No, and, and uh, I think they've lost almost a third of the pilots. Yeah, and yeah. I, don't, I don't I don't know if if you ever commented on this or anything like that, but uh, obviously you knew the Berg, uh, Bo Bergdahl situation in our in our. Uh, uh, in our conflict, mm-hmm. and when you first initially, before you knew the circumstances, when you first initially uh, knew that he went missing, uh, did you have any initial emotions towards that at all? My emotions came when that first bunch got those uh, transportation. Oh, oh I yeah. forgot all about they that. Ambushed oh, the three. I forgot about that, that. That 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 hit me. Yeah. Oh boy. I was drinking two jugs of brandy a week. Sure. Yeah. And they put oh. them on TV and everything, too, Man, on that side of it. That yeah, just, I forgot all about that. I was shaking. I was crying. I just... Brought back a lot of experience I, well, and emotions. I, I wanted to go in. Sure. I thought, these kids don't know what the hell they're getting into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I figured I'd been there. Mm-hmm. You were right, though. We had no idea what we were getting into. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah, I really... That really hit me really hit me when they yeah. when they got it in that ambush well and that's that's something i've i've personally appreciated out of the the vietnam uh, veterans the you know especially the guys fellow combat veterans too um you know they were and still are to this day you know some of the guys that kind of led the charge and first first person that brought me you know to the va before i started my college semester was a vietnam vet brought me over to a VFW service officer and, and got me going and mm. uh, you know that and first guy that uh, bought me a drink when I was home from Iraq was you know a Vietnam vet that one was my father but you know it was yeah. all those guys down down there and they were damn sure uh, that you know I was going to have a better uh, ho- homecoming than and they were and you know and I I had a, a lot of issues internal to the way I came home and the way your dad came home mm-hmm. And my friends came home. I had a guy, a friend of mine, he put me up on up against the bar one night. People were just showering over me. Chuck couldn't take it. Because hmm. the way they came home, mm-hmm. the Legion didn't want them. Right. You know, I they, that, yeah. yeah. And uh, boy, Chuck grabbed me and just put me up, up against the bar. He had too many. Mm-hmm. It had to hurt, that had to hurt you too, though, because it's not like you decided to get captured. No, but I'll tell you one, uh, a hurtful one. I was in the Legion Club. It was packed, and again, I couldn't go anywhere. There were so damn many drinks in front of me. Yeah. Sure. Um, but there was a bunch of ladies standing, and they said, Oh, Gary, come here. And I walked over there, and there was this one lady, and her son was killed. And I knew Jean. Jean's a year younger than me. And it happened when I was gone. And she walked up to me and slapped me across my face. And 
because she lost her son and I came home. Yeah. That hurt. Yeah. 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 And I and all these ladies got and I said, no, it's okay. Yeah. That's fine. Mm -hmm. You seem like you've always had pretty good composure, it sounds like. I mean, from the stories that you've told, I mean. That's like I said, that that experience changed me. Yeah. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have been that way if. uh, Go home and be a better man. Yeah. Yeah. That that uh, probably would have, you know, I'd be a total different person. Total different. Yeah, it's definitely about perspective. And, and uh, you know, and thinking about, like I said, that that time, you know, these these guys, and uh, so that 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 forgiveness comes. And you know, even the jet jockeys. They're going back to North Vietnam. They're meeting that some of them met with some of the MiG pilots, mm-hmm. and yeah. it heals. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's just uh, this whole this whole uh, interview has just been absolutely uh, mind blowing to me, and, and uh, you know your insights and your and your willingness to share and uh, everything is something that I think all veterans, you know, I, I I go out and share my story all the time and. Talk about the things that I learned while going through those experiences, and and I find it incredibly healing and therapeutic for myself. And uh, um, you know the experiences that you went through. I mean, uh, I know it was a little bit longer ago than my situation, but um, you're able to share those stories with such um, clarity, you know. And and um, you're you're you've accepted the situation. You can tell, you know, and, and the things that have happened to you, and if. Uh, um, you're an inspiration to all of us as as veterans, especially, and and uh, I know that um, I always talk about adversity, and you know I face a lot of adversity every single day in in my daily life, you know, living in a wheelchair and all. But I think about like when times got hard in Afghanistan, I think about the guys that came before me, you know, the guys that jumped in uh, into Germany, you know, and and the guys that um, you know were in the jungles in Vietnam fighting and. Uh, I'm sitting here in my uh, my my tent in Afghanistan, and it's extremely hot. And I'm going, these air conditioners don't work very good, and this and that. And you're going, <laughs> we, we think about you guys, you know. And I, I, you know, we're we're over there for the Marines do those little baby deployments, you know, the six to nine monthers. But you know, we're on those year deployments and everything. And we uh, come back in six to nine months though, too. We don't take a year and a half off afterwards. No, but you know, we're you know, we, we spent you know, we talk about going on a deployment for a year, you know, and and that year of our life, you know, and y- you volunteered. You weren't even drafted, you know. You were you volunteered to go do this, and you found yourself in an incredibly bad situation. You gave up probably some of the the best years of your life, you know, your younger years, you know, uh, living in a hole in the middle of the jungle. And uh, you can sit here and talk to us and tell your story of of, uh, stories where you you, you encountered your enemy, uh, the guy that drug you off the battlefield again. And you were wounded and you really didn't have any true care. I mean, the care you were getting was minimal, you know, to keep you alive. Our medics are doctors compared to yeah you know those the, guys the food you know that you were eating over there was was so so poor you know i mean you didn't have any it's not like you had a cheap meal here or there you know <laughs> uh the things that that you've shared and and then you come home and you continue to serve through through making america a healthier more beautiful ecosystem you know and uh 
I think if anybody was looking for uh, somebody to look up to, you're definitely a person that that would be at the top of my list of a man to look up to. And uh, the way you've uh, you go through these terrible situations and can find the best in them, and um, not only apply them to your life, but help other people understand so we can apply them to ours. And uh, I respect I respect the hell out of that. You know, the last fishing venture I went on, I spoke, and they got a a, a thank you card from this guy. He lives in Hutchinson. And he said, I've struggled with uh, PTSD 50 years. And like I told you, Jack, what I usually say when I start, January 14th, 1969, I had a bad day. And that guy wrote in his letter, he says, now I know what a bad day is. Mm-hmm. And I, I told the, I said, good, we, we touched someone. Right. That, that means a lot. Yeah. That, that guy... Uh, me speaking, that guy took a look at, and he's a. Hopefully, he's able to pull some mm-hmm. of his process and let go a, a little yeah. bit of it and let go. Whenever of it. I go and speak, or or somebody reads my book, you know, and they say, you know, you inspired me, or you changed my life in this way or that way, you know, uh, it it's sometimes uh, I don't want to say worth it, but it it's sometimes. Uh, gives an acceptance to the sacrifice that you went through that uh you that somebody else found inspiration or hope or something from the from the terrible experience that you had to go through you know there that somebody else was able to 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 look at you going through that situation and say i'm going to make my life better because of that you know and uh that was the one thing that kind of got me on the track of of doing the motivational speaking and that, and which are evident, um, and coincidentally ended up into me writing my book and everything. But, um, knowing that, uh, what you went through and the sacrifices that you made and somebody else is learning from them. Um, it's easier to go to bed at night knowing that, that, um, it was all worth it, you know, to change that one person's life, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was really happy. You know, Incredible. One thing I always, you know, say when I talk to young people and it's the day you walk into the doors of that high school to the day you put your crown on your cap mm-hmm. I was chained to a tree Yeah, totally. and, I, and I tell that to people that are going into universities the day you walk into that university to the day you graduate I was chained in the jungle Think about that. Yeah. Incredible. Well, we can't thank you enough. And, right. Uh, um, Jake, you got your questions? I do. I don't know if they feel, they don't, they feel almost. Uh, Not right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Gary, we always like to ask every guest before we uh, wrap up the uh, the podcast. Uh, and again, thank you so much for being here today. But we always like to ask a couple questions. Uh, number one, if you could go back and tell younger Gary, anything, give him one piece of advice, what would that be? Oh, study. Right. That seems to be a common theme. No, because the day I was graduating, I went to a parochial school. The day I was graduating, I said to myself, you really screwed this up. I was too busy screwing around. I said, now what the hell are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pay attention. Right. That's that's the biggest uh, 
And that's what I tell kids, high school kids. You know, you might not like it, but give it all you got. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Well, I was, we had a, a guest the other day that had a, a full uh, ride Division One scholarship for Oklahoma State for wrestling, and he, uh, his words, he shit it down his leg because he couldn't get his academics uh, in order, and that was his response every day of study. So, yeah, you know who didn't tell us uh, to study? The people that studied the neurosurgeon. That was yeah, never once, <laughs> never <laughs> once. That she, no, that's that, why we're not neurosurgeons. She actually said just the opposite. She said, "Have more fun. Take it. Yeah. Don't, don't take yeah. life so seriously. <laughs> and respect people. Yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, I could, I could see that. The the next question we always ask everyone again, and it doesn't even feel right to ask that you. I know, I know, it's terrible. I can't believe I'm even going to say it, but. Um, if you could do it all over again, would you? Yep. Okay. Yep. Really? Yeah. I really thought maybe this was the first one of the first ones you're going to have. Though. I, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Gary, but I, the whole it's time crazy. I kept thinking like uh, some people go to college and come away with an education and, and you went to the school of hard knocks and got an education. I mean, because it, yeah. in your words, it changed your life, you know, obviously. Yeah. You know? I'm just sitting here thinking about it. I mean, I joined the military uh did all my schooling, uh, went to Afghanistan, blown up, and was out, and still had a year left for the amount of time that you were POW. POW. Mm-hmm. Wow. On a lighter note, before we wrap it up, favorite barbecue food? Ooh. <laughs> Probably the hardest question that you guys have. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> chicken. That's good, Mike. <laughs> that took me a that's... second. Yeah, me too. It took me a Well said. Especially the head. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all we ever got, the head and the ass. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, boy, that's a tough one. Isn't it? Yeah. That is a tough one. Oh. You know, you get a lot of pulled pork. Right. I'm um, just. I mean, you got brisket, you got ribs. Yeah. And then you got yeah, all the chicken. I, I, I probably would go ribs because I really yeah. like ribs. Yeah, those are pretty good. And, a, and yeah. we won't take offense, you know, especially going through the POW experience. If you just said anything that's meat and cooked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anything other than rice. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I, was, I was glad you didn't say, well, I'm a vegetarian now. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, interview no. over. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so, Gary, thanks so much for being a part of the show and being a part of our podcast. We, I mean, we can't thank you enough for, uh, you didn't have to come all the way down here from, <laughs> from you know, the other no, side I, of Bemidji. I'm glad. And, and I, mean, honor. I was really wondering what, you know, I was going to text Dan. Dan? You know? What the hell did he get you into? The hell yeah. I, yeah. You know? Yeah. You'd think you'd learn not to volunteer. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Guys especially should know better than to step up him. Nobody does that. Yeah, so. but, well, uh, there's an infantry, uh, there's a uh, infantry marine and army guy down here in Mankato that would love to sit down yeah. every night with you. Know, yeah. so. yeah. Oh, we really appreciate it, and very much your service and your experience and sharing that story, but then also your continued service coming back home and really, uh, you um, of all people, especially you of all people, are part of that fabric that holds this country together and still makes it one of the best places the best place in the world to live and i i can't say thank you enough yeah thank you yeah thank you what mike says yeah don't forget uh sorry go ahead no i mean right now my biggest project now i'm the chairman of the bemidji veterans memorial oh and i'm trying to get for the guys that didn't get it and i'm making a big emphasis on combat medics and nurses if yeah. somebody wants to help out with that uh how can where, where's that working like they? mr jamie quello or somebody i uh, i work through 
uh, Northwest Minnesota Foundation. Okay. And otherwise, they can go to BemidjiVeteransMemorial.org, and there's a portal there. Nice. If they want to wanted, donate or if someone like wants that. to donate. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Outstanding. Gary, thanks so much for being on the podcast and uh, on the show. We really appreciate it. Don't forget, you can uh, always email us your questions or uh, ideas uh, at strengthfromservice at gmail.com and uh, download the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Strength from Service. This is the Strength from Service podcast. 